Hey, this is Denine L. Garrett, and you're tuned in to the Wellness Collective. All right. All right. Hey, y'all. I'm Ashley Nicole, and I want to welcome y'all to the kickoff of Getting My Cheese Back on My Crackers new series, The Wellness Collective. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to kick off this episode with Jacqueline and Yomi of Corporate Revolutionaries. Before yeah. we get into... <laughs> Before we get into our discussion on navigating professional growth and mental wellness, I want to remind you, if you haven't already, please um, hit the subscribe button below and turn on your YouTube notifications so that you don't miss anything from getting my cheese back on my cracker. Mm-hmm. Now that we've got that out the way, Jackie, Yomi, Ms. Corporate Revolutionaries, you guys want to um, introduce yourselves? Sure. Re- Yomi, you go ahead. I'll jump in after. All right. Well, I am Yomi Tagunde, and I am a Texan living in New York City. Mm-hmm. Technically, it's a caucus, New Jersey. We're going to call it New York City adjacent. Um, I have now been here for about seven years or so. I started my career off as an accountant and auditor. Um, I decided to become a military contractor during the second Iraq war. I thought I was going to be there for a year, ended up being there for three years, got involved in forensic accounting and wanting to get a better understanding of our impact, our being America's impact on other countries in a business sense. And from there, that just kind of led me into the space of anti-corruption, anti-bribery. And um, I am now in New York. Uh, working as a forensic accountant and a chief diversity officer. So for me, that has definitely been a passion. And um, it grew from my efforts. Really, it grew from me being a corporate revolutionary at work and Mm -hmm. uh, really showing up in that fashion such that um, I was able to cultivate a space for myself. And um, that title was um, awarded really very recently, actually. So I'm excited about that to be able to have this conversation from that perspective. But um, yeah, so really, um, whenever Corporate Revolutionary was conceptualized, it was um, during 2020. And at that time, it was just the idea of what it was to work while Black mm-hmm. and having to you know, deal with this onslaught of news and now in that moment your co-workers were engaging in it where in the past it was kind of a private quiet conversation amongst your uh, amongst your close ones your loved ones your family um, and then you know during those moments now you're having to have these conversations at work and um, it just kind of really made me think a little bit more deeply about the ways that we alter ourselves to show up at work and and how much of it is survival um with a capital s or survival all capitals you know and and what do we sacrifice in that so that was you know the conversation i wanted to start having and then um jackie and i connected and i could not have thought of a better person to have that conversation with (laughs) when i think about what she has done in the world. And um, so I'll just stop talking and let her share herself. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Yomi. So my name is Jacqueline Benjamin, better known as Jackie. And um, where do I start? I am a New Yorker, but I just relocated to Georgia. So I'm working on becoming a peach and seeing what that looks like. And prior to that, I have... um, I guess you can say when Yomi came to me with the term corporate revolutionary, like she said, it was like, let's let's get to talking. Like, let's talk about it. Um, my career started off in corporate retail and I had a really, really um, achievement full and and rich um, history. And, and I have been afforded the opportunity to work for in corporate retail, the most sought after brands, American lifestyle brands. Um, My longest tenure was with Ralph Lauren. And then I was also with Kate Spade, coach. I started my career at The Gap and ended my career at Williams-Sonoma under the West Elm brand. So some of of the brands we know and love and uh, we participate in and shop with and patronize and all that. But around the same time that Yomi was having a feeling about needing to have this conversation about being a corporate revolutionary, 
I was doing the ultimate revolutionary act and resigning from an 18 year career in corporate retail in order to pursue, pursue something that was closer to my passion to give back to the community. And so I had already launched and um, had a successful nonprofit organization empowering our youth, the Royalty Project, which launched in 2016. So I did feel like prior to me leaving corporate America, I had a really good balance. So I was working and getting to the bag for you know corporate organizations. I was also in the position of hiring um, people that look like us. So making gateways, not only charting my own path, but then also pulling people in because I had hiring power. Um, and then my, my side gig or my passion was youth empowerment. And I had um, built an organization of people and invited them and galvanized them to mentor and nurture our youth as well, the royalty project. So for a while, I was like, this is a really good balance. And then 2020 hit and all my priorities shifted. All the things in my life had changed. And so I wanted to make 100% of my time and my talents go to giving back to my community. So I was able to, after a sabbatical um, of about eight months, landed a gig with the New York Urban League as the chief operations officer. And I could not think of a better transition from a corporate job in planning and logistics to an operations job in a nonprofit legacy organization that sole purpose is to make sure that inequality is unacceptable and creating programming and practices um, that make sure African-American New Yorkers are given first-class education, um, opportunities and employment and empowerment in all areas of their life, Our entrepreneurship being one is another as well. So um, yeah, that is th that is very corporate revolutionary-esque. And I, and I won't say that I'll never get back to being in a corporate space, but I think for the time that was the right revolutionary move to make in order for my background to be rounded and grounded in, in, in both spaces. So here we are. Awesome. Awesome. I'm so, so excited. Ever since I first heard about um, you ladies coming together to do the podcast, I've been waiting. I've been marking off my calendar waiting for that episode. Um, I did want to ask, both of you are um, pretty outspoken sheroes to me. Um, hey. Like whenever I mention y'all to someone, I'm mentioning how, I want to be like y'all when I grow up. Um, you are too kind. I know. I love it. <laughs> um, what was there like an event in life that made you like this person? Was there an event or was there like a series of lessons that made you to where you speak out? You you are the revolutionary. You're not scared to be the revolutionary, whether it's at work, whether it's enriching the youth, whether it's forensic accounting, getting those numbers together and making sure all the money's where it's supposed to be. Um, was there like an event or like what was the catalyst of you being okay with being that corporate revolutionary? You know, I'm sorry, that was a long question. It's okay. No, it's okay. And it's funny because I've been thinking about that lately. And I don't have a starting yeah. answer because I started thinking about different things. And, and one thing that came up was how I, I wrote um, a play about Martin Luther King for my predominantly white fifth grade class. And I was the narrator. <laughs> and, and we performed it on MLK Day because at that time, he, his birthday, we didn't get off of school for that day. And I remember having first lobbied to get to not have to go to school on that day <laughs> and then being like, OK, well, we're going to do the play. So I'll go ahead and come. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so I honestly that's that's my first revolutionary memory. Mm -hmm. um, and that was like about the fourth or fifth grade. But I, I don't know how it started. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, Inception is hard to pinpoint, but it's it's some nature and it's some nurture. Uh -huh. it's some 
it's some, I think, um, and, and correct me if I'm speaking out of turn for you, Yomi, I think for both of us, we can remember advocating for people at a very young age. We can remember speaking up on behalf of injustice. We can remember talking out when things are not fair. And I think that that is a product of one, um, just something that you are like conceived with, like it is is divinely implanted in you. But then also there you have some some um, experiences that you realize these are the things that you're passionate about. Like you don't get to choose your passions. Um, you get to choose your activity, but you don't get to choose what you're passionate. In. And if you're working in your passion, you continue to do that. And I think at like just you know, just like you, I can probably describe a couple of different incidences at a very young age where I'm like, no, 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 that's not fair, that's not right, and I'm gonna fight for the thing that is right. So inception is hard to pinpoint, but I do think some of it is God given. I love that. Yeah, I love the fact that both of y'all have those moments from where like you don't know where it happened but you know it's been there the whole time yeah you know it's been there i have people that come up to me um from high school and or, or as early as elementary school telling me how i remember when somebody was bullying me and you stepped in and somebody was talking about my accent and you stepped in and i'm like i don't even remember that but <laughs> I don't even remember that, but it's, it, it just, it, so that just to me is evidence that it came before I could even acknowledge what mm -hmm. it is or describe what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so from, I want to follow up to that. So I know that you, you have um, the royalty project and Yomi and I are both mentors there um, through the program. And there's a lot of things that we teach, mm -hmm. but outside of the program, do you find opportunities to like let other little girls know be that person, be that advocate, be that voice for your peer or your your sibling or whoever that is that's needing that someone to stop people from bullying them or what have you. Yeah, yeah. So yes, the answer to that is yes. And so when someone asks me, what made you think of developing the Royalty Project? I probably have a different answer every time because there were so many different tracks and so many different ways that um, that that ways of being, uh, situations, experiences that led to what is now the Royalty Project. I've always been a mentor, even before I would describe it as such. I've always been a mentor. I've always um, attracted younger peer and older women that sought my advice for things that 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 asked me my opinion how should i do this or help me advocate for me help me to help me to find my voice that's been that's been mm -hmm. present since i don't know and 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 in, in adulthood it's not just women it's men also so the royalty project in its in its glory um is it's glorious because there's so many different tracks of empowerment and I like to say we don't teach our youth. We reveal and they decide. They decide. And that's what true empowerment is. It's not trying to implant or train or mechanically roboticize someone to think a certain way or feel a certain way. It's exposing you to the truth and letting you decide. Mm -hmm. exposing you to the beauty of what you are, what your ancestors are, what we all are, the excellence, the glory, the things that we don't often get pushed into the forefront and letting you decide. And the interesting part is they always decide that what they've been told was wrong and what they understood about themselves is wrong. And what is right is that beauty is from within, beauty comes from them, beauty starts from them. Um, you are wealthy, you are intelligent, you are all these things. And not just, just, just as good, better. You are better. Um, so yeah, it's 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 always been it's always been there in some form of fashion. I can probably name ten or fifteen different ways um, that that mentorship and people empowerment has been a part of um, my story. Yeah, and look, I think we can both say it. We are the cool auntie. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's an incredibly important role to take on. And I'm the cool auntie at work. I'm the cool auntie in my in my life, you know. So <laughs> I think just being able to show up for people in a way that creates a safe space, letting them know that they're not mm -hmm. being judged, 
And so yeah. I think we take it from top to bottom in terms of showing up like from that very academic space, mm -hmm. right? And where we're very much focused on community and, and bringing a very thoughtful approach to it. But, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and I love that Jackie balances this out in that regard, because I know I can be a bit of a fool sometimes. So, I mean, it's like, <laughs> and so, and that's where, you know, we also just get to be sister girls. So it's mm -hmm. always a balancing there. And yeah. I think that's what we always are able to, and that's the point, right? Mm -hmm. If you can bring your whole self you create a safe space because they know that you are authentic. Mm -hmm. you know, they are getting the truth of you and the best of you. Yeah. And so I know that was the thing that I just fell in love with whenever I walk into the collective that we now have. It's mm -hmm. being around Black women who can go from uh, quoting a scholar to, 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 to telling you to get yourself together in right. all the best ways. And mm -hmm. so... <laughs> And that right. was the beauty of it. And being able to have all of that show up in one conversation. Actually. Yeah. You yep. know? And so that was um, whenever you, and, and then to see how much richer the conversations are mm -hmm. and be that honest mm -hmm. and be able to get that much out of one another. And mm -hmm. um, I think that that's what, you know, the space that we've been trying to, that no, that we are creating. We are. That we have created. Yeah. Really, in a lot of different ways in the, the space that we have created. Yeah. And mentoring by modeling, not, not, not instruction. I am free. I speak out. I advocate. I consider myself to be beautiful with all of my flaws and all my insecurities. And that gives you the permission to do that too. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of my favorite lessons, and I don't know if it's a thing that you say repetitively, but I love the fact that you always remind us, Jackie, um, whenever um, I think something was happening, someone's like, we have to do this. We have to do that. And you always say, we get to, we get to, this. we get to do that. Um, I love the fact that you ladies chose to uh, be the voice for corporate revolutionaries, being the voice of uh, black people. And I know that was um, going back to what Yummy was saying, uh, this kind of came up in 2020 with corporate revolutionaries being that voice and, um, at work or wherever you were where people had people that didn't look like us had questions about how we were feeling. A lot of um, people I know at my workplace, a lot of things I was reading, that was kind of hard for us to, some of us to do, to stand in that place and be that, that guide to, um, to those people that don't look like us who need those answers. How did, aside from the fact that it's just who you are inside, how do you manage to deal with the news cycles and separate that from, sometimes I don't wanna help you. Sometimes I don't wanna guide you. How do y'all manage to do that? When you say the news cycles, you mean new royalty project cycles? The, um, the news cycle, like um, the new, what was happening in 2020 with uh, George Floyd. The oh, okay. Kind of like the, the movement, the way been, yeah, where, where a lot of our white counterparts felt a guilt and uh, a, a, seek, a need to seek understanding and a need to, to feel affirmed that they were doing the right things in mm -hmm. 2020. Yeah, that was, that was an interesting time because I was still working um, for Williams-Sonoma and to if I'm just being honest and, you know, like, forgive me, any of my coworkers that worked at the space, um, if this is the first time you're hearing it from me. But that to me, that space was the least diverse of anywhere else I've worked. Mm -hmm. um, I worked for The Gap in San Francisco, um, too long as 10 years, The Gap and uh, Ralph Lauren. And Ralph Lauren, as you can see, a lot of times you can see the corporate culture of um of a company from their marketing, their advertisement, their efforts, how much they're in our community. And as you can tell, and, and little known fact, Ralph um, pioneered a, a Naomi Campbell, um, like championed her as a, the face of Ralph Lauren, um, Tyson Beckford, and other, you know, a countless amount of, of models thereafter that were African-American. And I was able to, like you, as, a, as an executive at Ralph Lauren, I was able to select what artwork went in my office. And of course, I had the biggest, boldest picture of Naomi that I can find. Um, and I felt like that was the one place where 
being black wasn't a novelty or you know a curiosity. Mm -hmm. it, it just was a part of American culture. Um, little you know, but but being at Williams Sonoma was very different. It was it was not very many that looked like us. Um, I was able to hire in three of us on my team of 10 people, but that's after I had, you know, been there. I was the only black executive um, in business. There were a lot of us or just a few, at least um, on the field side, the store side, um, the store employee side, even regional uh, as far as regional managers go. But in terms of business, I was the only black person the only black executive on the business side, you know, uh, calculating, um, forecasting, doing strategy management, those kind of things that grow the business and, and drive the revenue. And so to be there at a time um, when the country was going through a racial, a racial awakening or reckoning, but to see what the events that triggered, it wasn't the actual incident um, that occurred with George Floyd that was the motivating thing. It was the riots thereafter. And so I found myself in that moment defending a people who had reactions to egregious actions. So people were asking, my coworkers, my colleagues were asking, well, why is this rioting happening? And what, what can I do? Um, it's too late for what can you do? Because there's been a moment where you've had the opportunity to speak out against injustice or to speak out against something happening, but you chose only to question, to inquire, or to, to research when there was a major reaction, that the reaction similar to reactions in the civil rights movement, to reactions um, with the decision that happened in terms of the Rodney King riots. Like, this can't be when you seek out advice about mm -hmm. what do you do about racism in America. But yeah, that time was very difficult. And I think that was part of um, really my motivation to be like, I don't want to be... Your, I don't want to be your go-between anymore. I don't want to communicate on my behalf of my community what's going on with my community. I don't want to have to remind you we just had rioting, so really we should either take a moment of silence or really step away from these Monday meetings because, or you need to let me step away because I need a wellness moment. Mm -hmm. And I shouldn't have to educate you on that. It shouldn't be my responsibility because I'm the one person you elected to be in this space and to work with you. So it was it was a it, to, that was the, the turning point, definitely for me. And I no longer. And the crazy thing about it is I keep saying I no longer wanted to be that, but I continue to do that for people who I consider to be my non-coworkers. So I do have friends who happen to be white. I do have um, past colleagues that I keep in touch with. I do have people who I went to school with that, you know, undergrad that were reaching out to me like, you know what? I never had these conversations before. I'd like to have them with my children. I'd like to have them with my son. I'd like to have them with my daughter. Or one of my college professors called me and said, I have a black grandchild. But I didn't grow up. The only person I knew growing up that was black was the woman who used to come in and clean my house. And my my daughter, who is now married to a black man, is telling me that I'm racist. And is that possible for me to be racist? I've never done anything racist. But have you done anything anti-racist? Mm. So it's, it, you know, it, it I'm still going <laughs> Even though I'm not in corporate America, I'm still doing it, but I'm still, I'm doing it from a position to me that doesn't feel forced. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think it's still our duty. People like Yomi and I, I think it's our duty to still educate people because we are empowering our youth, but meanwhile, we owe it to our youth as well to, to educate the people that they may have to encounter or the, the, the grand parents or parents of people that they may have to encounter in the future, because we need to be working this thing from both angles. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, <clears throat> for me, it became a question because look, I'm from Texas 
I mean, like, <laughs> and I almost want to use it as a disclaimer, but <laughs> there were a number of white people who we reached out to me um, who also brought Candace Owens into the conversation. Mm. And if we can, let's just bleep her name. I don't want to yeah. like <laughs> Um But in that moment, I was just like, whoa. And then I realized that there are a lot of people who um, are in, in, in close proximity who either A, are not clear about who they are and or B, just don't really have the time to fool with it. Yeah. And then there's C, who have the energy and the bandwidth. And, and I respect all of those, actually, right? Mm -hmm. And, but one, well, what, and one of the things that I gathered was if this person is at a choice point and they're going for Candace Owens or me, yeah, I'd rather them talk to me. Right. Right. And so I went ahead and, and, and I, and, and I had the bandwidth to do so. Mm -hmm. The moment I felt like it was taking away from who, I, how I could show up in the world, right. I would stop. And I was also very clear to not educate anybody. You don't get to come to this conversation blind. I'm not teaching you racism. So if we're going to do this, you have to invest something as well. And so it would be a podcast, a book, a something, and then you get to come back and we can have a book club discussion. <laughs> because I was not, I was not, like I needed you to have already formed thoughts mm -hmm. if we're going to do this. And if you were serious about it, because I'm not going to waste time for you to feel good about yourself because you called your black friend. Yeah, I needed you to invest some energy in this as well. And that was kind of the way that I managed my energy mm -hmm. around it and mm -hmm. how I was going to have those conversations. Yeah, good point. I think it's great that you were able to um, to navigate how you show up in that time. And of course, also great that it stemmed into this uh, your this upcoming production. Um, I did want to ask, and you kind of touched on it. Um, black women, we're we are we're super women. We're expected yep. to do all of the things, and some of us we do all of the things on our own because we just like doing everything. Um, how do you create healthy boundaries? Whereas you, when you said you made some people have the bandwidth, some people don't. How do you create healthy boundaries, not only at work, not only when you're doing your revolutionary work? Um, how do you create those healthy boundaries? Because I noticed that as things are beginning to trend um, during this pandemic and even on this end of the pandemic, it's still trending for people to use self-care and um, things of that nature. But how do you actually create healthy boundaries so that it doesn't chip off at time or energy that you don't have? I'll say I I do not watch any I don't watch any I don't watch the news. I stay aware, like I, I have an understanding. I love uh, public radio. NPR is my best friend, but I don't watch the news and I don't need to see videos. I don't watch the horror. I'm really really um, pretty explicit about that. You know, I, I do I do a lot to kind of keep out those images because I know what I'm working towards. I don't need, I don't need it to be constantly reinforced in me. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I'll be honest with you. It's also a, a it's a swing for me, mm -hmm. you know, like there's moments where I have to just kind of hit up against that wall and say, Whoa, you know, I get to come back. And then the other part of it is I surround myself with fun revolutionaries. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, while we are doing the work, I feel like we are also always having a good time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's that's the thing, like to kind of pick your partners in this and know that joy is also an act of revolution. So I'd say that's kind of how I I, I mean, some of it is 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 getting there, just knowing how to pay attention to yourself where I'm like, OK, I've gone too far. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, you know, I might not know how to stop it just yet, but I know what it is when I'm there and I will pull back. And then that's when the nose will come. Um, but it, there's, you know, it, it is a balancing. Mm -hmm. I want to double click and lean into something that Yomi said about being joy, being an act of revolution. 
Um, I when you when I hear the word boundaries, uh, someone that is a true rebellious person that the word boundaries is like a triggering word for me. But if, if in the way I run my affairs and I don't, I don't, I don't recommend this for every, anyone else who isn't naturally like this. I love abundance. So I'm going to get an abundance of joy an abundance of pain an abundance of sorrow an abundance of, of active, like active, fighting against the system, but also an abundance of rest, an abundance of relaxation, abundance of the Revolutionaries Day Off. I think I've named a couple of events that we just had the mentors kick in at the penthouse, um, my house, my, well, my old house, um, and just call it the Revolutionaries Day Off. Like there are times when we just kick it. Um, so I think to me, it's less about boundaries and more about balance. Yeah. yeah. I love yeah. that. I love that. So, okay. So how do you know when you need boundaries or when you need to check your balance and make sure that everything's floating, everything's level? You know, I look at it like, what is your default? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and I know that my default is, hey. <laughs> <laughs> This is my default, right? right? And whenever I spend a little bit too much time to the underside of that, mm -hmm. that's when, you know, and, and it's okay to be on the underside because here's the other thing. That default was also um, born as a survival mechanism. Yeah. You know, so I'm clear about that. Mm -hmm. And so there are moments when I realize that either A, the default becomes work mm -hmm. or um, I'm not even getting there. But whatever it is, whenever it's energy for me to show up like, hey, and it's not good energy, it's not feeding energy, mm -hmm. that's whenever I start to say, okay, wait a minute, something is off. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that took a while and a lot of uh, being still with myself, mm -hmm. right? To even one, understand the difference of what part of this is survival and what part of this is who I am. Yeah. And how much of this do I want to keep regardless of how I got it? Um, and so there was, there's definitely some being still and getting, doing the work, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's something we haven't quite talked about yet. And mm -hmm. that is, you know, really working with myself mentally, having coaches, having people who are really in the space of spiritual abundance. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, you know, having all of that energy, uh, being very intentional about mm -hmm. bringing that energy into my life. And, and being intentional about being that for someone else. So whenever I know either A, I can no longer provide that for myself, therefore I cannot provide that for someone else, I need to stop and take a look at what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of, that's kind of how I start to check it. And then, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, and I'm not a big planner, so I'm just kind of like, wee. So, uh, and, and that is, that can be stressful in its own. So then, you know, that might be the moment where I say, okay, I need to at least sit down for the next, get my life together for the next three weeks and start planning and, and bringing a little bit more order. So, I mean, I think there's a, you know, there's a balancing and I, I I'm with you on that. I think balancing is the best word here. Right. Uh, and that's kind of, what, what what I'm operating with. Mm -hmm. Ditto. Okay. <laughs> balance is everything because it just it doesn't it you I, also it's very important that you ask for what you need. Mm. Thank you, ladies, for allowing me the grace to do what I needed to do. We had set a time for this meeting or set a time for this live. And I was like, I, I really need to get to this other thing. And then you allowed me the grace to push this back two hours. And here we are. Like, ask for what you need. I think sometimes we hold ourselves to we got to do exactly what we said we were going to do exactly at the time we said it was. And that in itself is stressful. Mm -hmm. So yourself some grace and asking like if I need a hug I'll ask for it if I need to just have some girl time and chill I'll call you know yo me I'll call you and be like I need to vent I got a work vent and I need to I need to talk to somebody that is a boss too you know what I mean like mm -hmm. having those that sister circle or that that place I call home um mm -hmm. I was telling I was telling my husband a, a couple of days ago that 
Um, moving down here is creating a lot of different um, emotions, bringing up a lot of different emotions. And there was a long time, my grandmother was my matriarch growing up. So my, my mom, she was a young mom. So we grew up kind of like, she just, you know, took me everywhere. But the person that was home was my grandmother. And so I used to go to my grandmother's house when I needed to escape being superwoman because at my grandmother's house, I ain't superwoman. <laughs> I'm a little grandbaby. You know what I mean? So like I was able to go there. And then when she passed, I didn't realize how much I was like, what is home? What is home? Because my mom's a flower child. Y'all know Diane. She be out here doing her thing and she ain't worried about planting roots. She got, she could fit everything in her life in two big bags and a duffel bag and she could just go about her business. My grandmother was not like that. She stayed in the same place for 40 years. And you know what I mean? Like it was, that was home. So um, creating a home, creating a space that was like my grandmother's space was meaningful to me. Creating being in disarray in a place that I just moved in and it's not home yet is is really wearing on my mental stability. Um, but yes, creating a, a sanctuary, mm -hmm. creating a place at home. Like I love to travel, I love to do all these things, but I love to come home to a home I cultivated. So to me, that is part of um, me, the way I you know, chill out. Like Naomi said, I'll fall back for three weeks. I'll fall back for three weeks and stay home and just, mm -hmm. you know, home as much as possible because this is a place of restoration. And, you know, and I think to Jackie's point, accepting, right? Because while Jackie is really good at asking for what she needs, I also get that she's really good at being perceptive I am not that good at asking for what I need, right? But what I love is that Jack would be like, hey, I need a hug. Come over. And I'm like, I need a hug, too. I'm coming over. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have asked for it. You right. know what I'm saying? And, you know, like being able to at least just receive that. Or yeah. even, you know, like I, I have an assignment and I'm like, okay, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And I'm doing all these things by myself in the corner and then saying, Hey, can we schedule that meeting? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh yeah. So then as soon as I put it out with the team, bam, 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 bam. Why was I thinking I had to show up with everything 90% figured out when I got nope. a around? <laughs> you don't. And so that is like learning how to receive. Yeah. And I think that that is another part of that superwoman dynamic where, mm -hmm. you know, even if you're not the best at asking, Lord, say thank you when it shows up and receive it. <laughs> and just yeah. say yes. And yeah. go with it, you know? Yes. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> okay, so I know that we've talked a little bit about um, self-care, creating that balance that allows you to be your authentic self, be 100% yourself. I did want to ask, so I heard, I think it was Yomi said earlier about your authentic self. We actually had an episode of our main series um, about code switching and mm -hmm. being your authentic self. I think that's one thing that um, Black or African-American or whatever we're calling ourselves um, today, <laughs> um, I think that's one thing that as we're entering the workforce or as we're trying to move up in the workforce, that's one thing that's like a major challenge. Both of you ladies have succeeded in being in leadership roles, being boss ladies. What is some advice that you will give to um, to our, our people that are in the workforce or that are present in the workforce about being their authentic self, whether it's um, dealing with this remote work or dealing with the current state of corporate culture? You know, this that is, is an intricate and yeah. complex question. <laughs> yeah, this is tricky. Because your question. authentic self can get you in a lot of trouble. One, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, one. Authenticity is subjective. Mm -hmm. You have to, and you're allotted that with your level of success. Mm -hmm. So we are still pioneering some areas. We are still mm -hmm. the first of some things. 
we are still um, leading the way and opening the door. And if we don't open the door in a way that is productive and positive, it can close for many years to come for many people that look like us. Mm -hmm. I do feel like when I started off in corporate America, I had a relaxer and straight, like just straight hair. And I wore very plain clothes. And, um, but at that point I was, I was learning who I was. So, so showing up in whatever was authentic to what I had learned at that point, just graduating from a non HBCU, you know, like graduating from a very, very white Anglo-Saxon Protestant school and carving my way in that and then figuring, okay, well, that was my stepping stone to what is now real life in corporate America. Um, and what I had learned in that transition. And I was my authentic self at that time, but my authentic self as an intern, as an entry level, um, you know, an entry, entry level worker or employee. My authenticity and who I was evolved over time. And as I became a person who valued no chemicals in my hair, who valued, um, you know, expressing myself and not just, not just expressing myself verbally, but using all of the things that I possess, my accessories, my ways of being, my posture, all of that to express myself, then I evolved to be able to show more of my authentic self, but at the same time, I had proven myself at different points in my career. Mm -hmm. I do think it's, I don't think you should kick in the door and yell and scream, but there are, there are industries not, so not, I don't think it should be like that in um, corporate America or even retail where I came up in, but there are industries where you can kick in the door. So giving, giving somebody the advice that you have to do it the way I did it, I think I found success because I did it the way I did it. And I feel good and comfortable. Um, I don't feel like I sold out. I don't feel like I uh, dulled myself down or, you know, traded my soul in order to become the, the Jackie that navigated or the Jacqueline that navigated through corporate America. But that was an evolution. And my mm -hmm. industry permitted that as an evolution. Some industries do not at all. And some industries you can come in, you know, in more creative spaces, you can come in and you can be whoever you created yourself to be. And that's fine. But you have to have the discernment and you have to understand what's going on in your environment, in your industry, in the culture of your industry to know how much of you and how much of your evolution can show up. Do you think it's more of um, more of an observation of there's more than one way to be your authentic self and that we should allow ourselves to grow, um, especially entering the workforce, whoever you are when you graduate or if even if you didn't attend college and you find yourself in um, a business, a role, that person and the person that's promoted to all of these roles, they're not even the same person by the time you get there because we have so much growth from week over week, month over month, year over year. I think that I really like your response because I think that as a whole, I think if we started looking at it, like allow yourself to grow, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to learn. You don't have to bust down the door, like come in with your dashiki day one and prove that. I mean, you can, if, like you said, if the industry allows for that, but I still think that there's room for, being yourself and growing as yourself and researching and reading the room. Yeah. Um, I just had to tell my 65 year old aunt that it's okay to lock your hair and go to work. That's okay. Because some of the things that you are thinking may hold you back professionally are all in your mind. Mm -hmm. White people expect you to be black. Yeah. Yes. And there's a lot of things that there is an older school of black people that say, you got to look like this. You got to dress like this. You got to talk like this. I just I my boss just just um, finally said or was in a meeting where she didn't dispute because she's always disputing. You should not wear jeans. You should not wear sneakers to work. 
we're living in a new day and we are we are in a pandemic still at whatever um, level or we're, we're in the cycle, we're still in it. And really you want people to be comfortable when they come to work. So what I'm saying is don't read it by the standards that were set many, many years ago. Read what's going on around you right now. Mm-hmm. and choose the places that you will be revolutionary because that's what's required in order for you to be able to pave the way for other people. But but understand, and I know it's not in the DNA of the term of revolution, but if we want impactful change, we can't just kick in the door and we can't just choose violence and we can't just choose indignation all the time. There are times for that. There are times for that, but you have to read your environment. You have to read your environment. And I think the other part of it, and you said it in the very beginning, lead with your excellence. Mm -hmm. And I have anything else to add. That was perfect. (laughs) Reiterating. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So this has been a great conversation. You was about to say something? Uh, Yeah, you know, there was a, I I had a thought the other day and and it was actually when we were having the conversation, um, our board meeting, when we were kind of discussing access Mm -hmm. and, and, and the emphasis on providing access to those who are underprivileged financially. And, you know, and I think that one thing that we tend to forget as professionals and middle-class Negroes is that there's a lot of stress in that in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, t- I think sometimes we begin to stigmatize mental health mm-hmm. as a poor person's thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we got to make sure we get them access while never once figuring out how to get our own access, mm-hmm. whether we can afford it or have to go through insurance or have to do whatever there is. And this is and, and what we fail to realize is that a lot of times whenever you are in that space, because of everything that Jacqueline was saying, as it relates to taking on the level of responsibility, taking on a way that you are showing up at work. Mm-hmm. Balancing that with who you are, making sure that you are excellent enough to give yourself room to be yourself. Then mm-hmm. once you, you know, all of that weight mm-hmm. does lead to incredible success. And sometimes you forget the sacrifices that you have made along the way, mm-hmm. get that success. And while you are a shiny penny, there might be some things you want to take care of on the inside. And I think a lot of times our most successful of us don't get that, you know, we still have work to do no matter how shiny mm-hmm. we are. And mm-hmm. so that that's something that um, I think we need to really start to reinforce just in us as a people, period. And I think we're doing that at every turn, but that was just a thought that I had when I think about um, Isabel Wilkerson, I think she referred to it as being the shock troops on the border. And, you know, those of us who are breaking through and, and in that position mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. sacrifice that that can, that can have on you. Yeah. Yeah. And the only other advice I would also add is um, recover quickly. Mm-hmm. Mistakes are to be made. Don't mm-hmm. make the same mistake twice, but recover from your mistakes quickly. I don't subscribe to the notion that we got to be, we got to work twice as hard to be half as good. I don't subscribe to that. Mm-hmm. I feel like we should do our own personal bests wherever you're put, whatever position you're put in, do your own personal best and give yourself room to make mistakes and then recover from those mistakes. Um, I read a book called The Confidence Code many years ago. And really confidence is about the people who don't allow their mistakes to hinder them and they don't fester in them. They just go out and try another thing and do it again. And that was the success of many sports players, Kobe Bryant, to name one of many. He could take 30 shots and miss all 30. He's still going to take 30 more. Mm -hmm. Shoot your shot. Make your mistakes. Recover quickly. 
Awesome. So I love the fact that y'all y'all are just so on point because that was exactly what I was about to ask. Um, this has been a great conversation. I'm so I'm excited that I was able to carry a conversation for 40 something minutes. Without, oh, you did it, Ashley. Come on. Excited. Um, I was going to ask what advice would you tell little Jackie and little Yomi about your blackness and professionalism that could have improved your mental wellness? Had you known then, but I think y'all already answered. I was going to say, I was going to say, yeah, don't fester, don't let it fester. Yeah, that's it. I think a couple of times that you know, I fell, and you know what I mean. Like we fall, we fall. That's what we made to do. Just get back up and do and do another thing. Do another thing. Like just keep keep at it. Yeah, at it. and just I, being your best self because you're yep. you find your best self works half as hard as the. Person is working twice as hard. So I don't want to say that, Yomi, but that's what I'm saying. Your best self might be. You already are better. Like in terms of I already won. I already won. I am a winner. I don't have to prove that. I just need to come and do my best. I'm I've already won. They love me here. Right. <laughs> I am so excited. I'm so excited for Corporate Revolutionary. You have some dope, dope topics. I think there are so many um, women particularly, but anyone who has existed in a corporate space. There are so many topics that we have that you can relate to, that we have a you know unique perspective, but something that is the universal perspective. If you are in a space where you could count on one hand, how many people are like you in that space? Yeah. So I look forward to um, you guys seeing it when it, you know, when it launches. We are still in the production phase of it, but Yomi, thank you. I want to publicly thank you for looping me in on this amazing, 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 dope, dope, dope concept, corporate revolutionary, because this is something that we need to really get out there, and and um, I feel like a lot of people will be able to relate. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and you already know, like, I mean, this is the living embodiment of it. And, you know, and, and I think that's the thing that I cannot wait to bring to the people is talking about that growth, that growth path that you described. Right. Like, I, I mean, uh, let's let's talk about our bad weaves to our best days. You know? yes. <laughs> but, right. And that's what it is, though. It's, a, it's about having this real honest honest conversation about mm -hmm. what it is to grow and lead and be your most authentic self wherever you are in that journey. Yep. So, you know, let's, let's do it. Yeah. Well, I just love it. I'm so glad to be a part. I'm so glad I got to have y'all for the first episode of this series. Um, I'm excited. I can't wait for it to, for corporate revolutionaries to come for our viewers. Um, as soon as it's available, you will see it on the page. We're going to promote it because it's family and I don't see why not. <laughs> so y'all going to get this corporate revolutionaries, whether you want it or not. I know you yeah. want it. Um, <laughs> I thank y'all so much for coming. This has been and a great thank you, Ashley, Nicole. Like, this is a dope, dope concept. And, you know, thank you for allowing us to be the first on. Yeah, and, you know, I I just I love your commitment to us. Yep. Thank what she you. said. Thank <laughs> you. I love I love y'all. Y'all are my favorite. This is a hug. Y'all are my favorite people. I love you guys. And I'm going to stop recording now. <laughs>